Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. And welcome to episode Big 50. Hopefully you've listened to our last one, episode 49, where we went into the joint histories of Fanny and Felix Mendelssohn. But if not, don't fret. You'll still be able to enjoy this episode that will go into the music of Fanny and Felix by looking at each of their piano trios in D minor. Yes, they each wrote a piano trio in D minor, which makes it terribly convenient for comparisons. So these trios each play out to about 30 minutes, and so as not to keep you here all day, though who wouldn't want to listen to Mendelssohnian music all day? I think it's lovely. Uh, But we're just going to be looking at the first movements of each trio. Each trio was written a few years apart and written for the same key with the same instrumentation of violin, cello, and piano. Felix wrote his in 1839, and it was out for public consumption by 1840. Fanny, on the other hand, didn't write her D minor trio until 1846, the same year she actually began publishing some of her works. However, she didn't see it published in her lifetime as she died in 1847, so it was published posthumously in 1850. In this analysis, we're going to avoid any real deep music theory talk, but rather look at each from the standpoint of a listener. I'd like you to imagine you're attending one of Fanny's salons, and on the program are both of these piano trios. We're going to point out some key aural features of each so that you, the listener, can have a better idea of what each composer was trying to convey in the writing, as well as hear some stylistic differences. However, just for the sake of having some sort of reference point, we will tell you that both of these first movements are written in the traditional Sonata Allegro form. So on this podcast, we have talked about this form in the past, but to refresh your memory, it's probably one of the most common first movement forms for everything from sonatas, obviously, to symphonies. So basically, it starts with the introduction of at least two themes, and then these themes are run through a development section where they are morphed rhythmically and or harmonically, and then we come back together in a restatement of those themes, often followed by an extravagant coda. So, since it was written first, we'll start with Felix's trio's first movement. What's notable right off the bat is that Felix introduces his jaunty theme in the cello. Rather than having some sort of introduction, the melody starts right from the get-go with a pickup note. Also of note, this melody sounds like it's in a lilting 3-8 time, however it's actually written in 3-4 time. And I think if I were trying to sight-read this piece, I'd be really wary of this time signature because it could potentially allow for way more complex and fast rhythms. Now in the Romantic era was a concept called Sturm und Drang, which meant storm and drive, and was an element of many Romantic art and musical pieces. And Felix really captures that in this movement. We hear it particularly when the piano takes over the melody and adds powerful octaves. (laughs) 
there are other examples of it throughout the movement as well. For example here, where the cello has a low, droning note, while the piano has escalating, modulating arpeggios under a violin syncopation. And also here, as the violin and then piano mess around on diminished chords, which are of course the chords of ultimate tragic suspense. Another notable thing about Felix's music that is particularly exhibited in this movement is how he makes cadences into the beginning of the next idea, as opposed to writing a cadence and then starting the next idea in a following measure. We hear that in this section, as he sets up a lovely and rubato-sounding phrase. And then, as we come into the cadence, the piano immediately launches into a new idea composed of running triplets. However, being a romantic, Felix was a master of moods. He takes us out of the D minor key here and into a more major tone that has a very sweet feeling to it in this middle development of the piece. And this is also just a really cool section that will grab the audience's attention. The violin comes in extremely pianissimo, and then the cello plays the melody. And for a few measures, it sounds as though the violin will just be holding the note over the original melody, but then it transitions into its own new melody, which is complementary, almost like a fugue counter-melody, which is sort of reminiscent of Felix being a lover of Bach. Finally, Felix uses chromaticism in such a way that I find endearing or humorous, rather than grotesque or ostentatious as some composers tend to use it. Here, the sweet second theme has returned, and while the piano plays that theme, the violin echoes it in the background but in a chromatic scale, rather than the actual notes of the melody. It almost sounds like the violin is mocking the piano, but in a light-hearted, joking way in this call-of-response exercise. And now we get to the ending of Felix's first movement. Of course, he has a restatement of the theme, but it's very interesting that he plays it out all the way to the second phrase of it. Now, this phrase ends in an upward half-cadence, suggesting that there is more theme to come... He 
he spins it by changing the harmony in the piano to actually play the tonic D minor chord. So really we end up with a tonic chord that sounds inverted, so rather than having the tonic D sounding in the highest voice in the violin. But by the end, he has sorted it all out, so we do get a nice authentic cadence with the tonic chord notes properly lined up. And now we'll move on to Fanny's first movement. Listening to these pieces side by side like this might throw you off a little because of the fact that they're in the same key, but different time signatures. While Felix's had a strong three pattern, Fanny's is written in straight 4-4, four, four, so it's stately rather than lilting. Overall, I think the effect of this different time signature is that Fanny's movement sounds more effortless, or at least more relaxed, even with running eights notes, as opposed to the driving force of Felix's running sections. Also, you'll notice Fanny starts her trio off with a dramatic piano introduction rather than just jumping right into the melody. And she also presents us with more varied thematic material right in the beginning of the movement than Felix does. So we have this first theme that is very fanfare-like with precisely placed exclamatory notes. get a different moody and melodic D minor theme in the piano. Now Fanny also shows off the sweeter side of the Romantic era with a lovely and major third melody introduced in the cello. themes will be revisited later in the movement. It's in contrast to Felix, who really only had the first D minor melody, and then the sweeter melody that he did any sort of elaboration of note on. But we're not immune to the Sturm und Drang. Thanks to dynamic contrast in unexpected major modulations, we get just the drama we were looking for here. Even more later in the movement when Fanny adds octaves to the mix. We hear another fine example of the Sturm und Drang here when the piano has spiced up our little sweet little theme with some chromatic notes and the violin and cello are exhibited in exquisite tremolo, which you recall we spoke about with McDowell's music as being a very romantic way to create a creepy and scary kind of tension.
Like Felix, Fanny was also able to mash her cadences into the starts of new sections. In this example, she not only starts a new section, but does so in the unexpected key of F major, which is the third of D minor. It's surprising, but it works very well, especially since it comes on the heels of a pile of diminished chords, which are the universal modulators. Also like Felix, Fanny uses a call-and-response idea between the piano and violin. Now, hers is less chromatic and more like a sequential modulation. And overall, I think rather than being joking, like when Felix used this technique, it sounds more like a yearning kind of feeling. And remember how Fanny introduced all those themes in quick succession at the beginning? Well, she isn't just going to be a basic composer and develop them separately, she's going to cleverly mash them all together. So in the violin, she makes it sound first like we're going back into our fanfare theme, but that quickly actually morphs into our second, more melodic theme, and that essentially makes a new tertiary theme. Fanny also has fun with us listeners right at the end. First, she really makes the ending appear like it's going to be low-key, having only the cello and piano trading back and forth from chromatic chords. But that's right before she launches into an uproarious, ever-crescendoing elaboration on a 5-to-1 progression. Interestingly, like Felix, who at first chose to put his tonic chord in an inversion, with the highest violin note not being D, Fanny also does the same thing before she relents and allows the listener to hear a properly stacked and resolute tonic. So, in conclusion, you can tell that these are both really good pieces with really quality writing for the piano trio genre. And in a way, I think it might actually be unfair to really try and compare them, because Felix and Fanny, though close, were obviously very different people. So it's unclear exactly why Fanny chose to write this trio in the same key as one of her brother's trios, but surely it's not to make it easier for us future generations to compare them. (laughs) What can be said about both trios is that they're very appropriate for the time. They both exhibit features of the Romantic era that were valued, as we mentioned, extensively the Sturm und Drang, but also the instruments playing off each other and working together. The melodies are melodic, yet surprising, in contrast to many classical melodies that are terribly predictable due to the uniformity and symmetry appreciated in that time period. An interesting point of debate might be which trio is more progressive for the time. One could argue that it was Felix's, with his innovative use of chromatics. 
but I mean many composers throughout all of time have used chromatic notes to great effect. So Fanny's in that case might actually be more progressive, even experimental. Her use of tremolo and also pizzicato in one case are techniques that often have the greatest effect when used in an orchestral setting. Using them in this intimate chamber setting is more rare, and thus gives her ideas a sense of newness that we don't quite get from Felix's writing. Now that's not to say that these techniques were never used in chamber groups before this. One could argue that Fanny's style was more experimental in a way because she was more free to compose than Felix actually was, despite her being forbidden to do so publicly by societal conventions. So while Felix, of course, could write whatever he wanted, his livelihood depended on people actually liking his works, and so he was more a bit of a slave to the fashions. Fanny, on the other hand, didn't really need to worry about what people thought of her music. So in all, of over hundreds of compositions, she could write whatever pleased her own sense of musical fashion. And people who attended her salons could listen to it and enjoy it because she said so. <laughs> and so while it might be unfair to compare these works, I think we can at least say that they are both really good. And the remaining three movements of each of them are definitely worth listening to. Additionally, if you are really interested in getting a complete formal and theoretical analysis of each of these trios, which we did not provide for you here, I strongly recommend checking out the dissertation of Dr. Judith Bach, and you can find the link to that in our episode description or in the reference page on our website. We hope you've enjoyed this two-part miniseries on Fanny and Felix, the musical Mendelssohn's. We've really enjoyed putting this together and plan on doing more little multi, multi-part episodes like this in the future, so stay tuned, and if you have any ideas, send them to coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. So thank you very much for listening to episode 50 of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Felix Mendelssohn's Piano Trio No. 1 in D minor and Fanny Mendelssohn's Piano Trio Opus 11 in D minor were performed by the Claremont Trio. You can find The Coffeehouse on iTunes or Google Play. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Podcast Coffeehouse, and email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. 